It's the When Fishing Podcast. Applying techniques. Then I put the sea rigs on the A rig. fresh ideas. They can't all be good ones. Talking stories. <laughs> reports. Conservation. Probably too close. All to make you and I better fishermen. Hello. Welcome to. The When Fishing Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Rota. Uh, today's an introductory because you don't know what the fuck you're listening to. It's a fishing podcast. Huh? Believe it or not. Uh, but what kind of fishing podcast, you may be asking? What a wonderful question. It's the what, the why, and the how. I am uh, uh, not going to tell you where, because fuck that. No way. No way. Not in this day and age. Um, the when fishing is like the... Uh, it's, it's the presence of fishing. It's the adventure of it, and it's the tangents as we've already been on. Um, it's not like, like, you know, 2.35 on March 7th. No way, I'm not telling you that much. I'll lead a horse to water. But I ain't gonna put that water down his goddamn gullet. Um, so yeah. Um, it's gonna be, uh, this is a show about applying... Applying techniques um, and uh, gathering information and researching and being a goddamn nerd and uh, obsessing and uh, putting it all together. Uh, I'll be putting it together my way and hopefully um, you can apply some of that to your own strategery. Um so, uh, yes, that is basically what it is. Uh, I think that there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of information out there already on fishing, you know, like there's, there's a, a million and one, uh, magazine articles on how to fish a crankbait and whatnot, but, uh, what I'm going to be doing is, uh, answering questions that I have for myself, um, this is going to be a solo podcast for the most part, at least early on. It is possible that I have guests on. Um, I don't. I haven't contacted anybody yet. Uh, but there are people that I'd love to talk to. Uh, there are other fishing podcasts out. I think every other fishing podcast out there is a uh, uh, basically a conversation with a guest and. Uh, uh, asking and answering questions in their field of expertise. And, uh, um, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of, uh, like stream of thought kind of stuff from like, uh, from all over. And, uh, uh, I would like to apply that to a fishing podcast. So that's what I'm going to do. But I also, uh, wouldn't mind, uh, I would also like very much to bring on some guests at some point. 
um, and talk about, uh, you know, bounce off ideas off each other, hopefully, and uh, uh, have good discussions. And I'm sure that could go along and that would be great. But uh, yeah, so that's basically what the podcast is one man show, except for when it's not. And uh, uh, a little about me uh, since, uh, you know, uh, what are, how are you going to directly relate to me and how are you going to indirectly relate to me? Um, well, uh, I was born and raised in Southern California, um, and, uh, particularly Ventura County area. Um, like casitas. Yeah, that one. Good on you. Um, I, uh, first started fishing when I was five, and, uh, my dad took me out on the LEM, as a sport boat, out of Captain Hook's Sport Fishing. Uh, the LEM does not run anymore. I'd love to know where it is. Uh, I'm sure it's just in a shipyard somewhere. But, uh, yeah, so we went out on, like, a three-quarter day, like a ten-hour trip, uh, looking for the sand bass. And, uh, probably out, out around, like, Port Wainimi Flats or Anacapa or some shit like that. And, uh, uh, my dad tells me that I picked the ugliest swim bait in the tackle box, and before the boat was completely stopped, I dropped it down, pulled up a sand bass before we dropped anchor, and the rest is history. And, um, uh, yeah, so then I got super into it. I was stoked on it, and, uh. Then we went, you know, a couple times a year for um, most of my childhood and adolescence on the sport boats. And uh, when I was about seven or eight, uh, I was having some kind of crying fit. And then my dad handed me a book by Dr. Milton Love called Probably More Than You Want to Know About the Fishes of the Pacific Coast. And it is a wonderful book. Um, It's a... it's it's a book on, uh, as you would have guessed, Fishes of the Pacific Coast. Um, had little like scientific illustrations, and then it like had a, uh, you know, uh, descriptions on each fish. I want to say there were around like two hundred fifty uh, fish in the book, mostly relating to Southern California, some to like Northern Cal and the Pacific Northwest. Um, uh, and I just geeked out on that, and uh, I just pick my dad's brain and I'd just flip through each page and be like, I ever caught that. What'd you catch it on? How'd you, uh, how big was it? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, uh, what's the biggest one you ever caught and all that shit. And, uh, uh, drove him absolutely up the wall, made him regret that. And, uh, uh, just kept absorbing information through my childhood. We got into surf fishing. He and I, um, when I was about 10 or 11 or so, and, uh, thanks to scsurffishing.com, it is now defunct. It is a 404 if you're going to check it out and, uh, ton of good information on there. And, uh, we got, we got in on it at the beginning of it and then it only bloomed and got big and made, um, light tackle surf fishing in Southern California, super duper popular. And I notice it's not really that popular right now. Um, Maybe it's just my local area. I don't know. I know my area isn't fucking... It's not great, but 
Um, I don't see too many fishermen, light tackle surf fishermen anymore. But uh, uh, so we got into surf fishing and like the barred surf perch and uh, the elephant croaker and stuff like that. Uh, we were up in Ventura, so um, less what we would call exotics up there. It was mostly just perch and a few yellowfin croaker and very occasional halibut and almost no corbina. Um, although other guys had it dialed on the corbina up there. Um, and then, uh, at the same time I started biking up to the, uh, to the local ponds and, uh, fishing for bass and bluegill and got dialed into that as a teenager. And, you know, uh, learned all the techniques that you can know on a uh, bass fishing and got a uh, eventually got a raft to uh, fish those ponds because there was like a really engrossing uh, tule line that only got bigger every year and swallowed up the pond and uh, uh, yeah so got way into that and then uh you know, I was geeking out so heavy on fish, so I wanted to go to college uh, and study something as close to uh, uh, fish and fishing as possible. And so I eventually learned about a uh, a fisheries biology major that was available, um, and I'm presumably still available in uh, Alaska, Delaware. Texas A&M, I think, and um, last but not least where I chose, Humboldt State University, brah. And uh, it was uh, uh, the only one in California, and I wanted to save money, so I, I went there. But then the um, the acceptance, what their admission requirements were so, uh, it was pretty low. Uh, like 2.8 GPA to get in or something like that. And uh, when I learned about it, I was in like freshman year of high school and I just finished up with like a 4.1 GPA. And so I was like, okay, I don't need to try anymore. So I stopped trying in high school and then I had more time on my hands. So then I picked up music and got really into music. And then by the time I got to Humboldt, I switched majors to music because I realized I was bad at math, which is really important when you're going to study fisheries biology. So I was like, I am ill-equipped for that. I just want to fish and maybe write about fish and talk fish, but I don't want to do calculus, so I didn't. And uh, then I was just up in a Humboldt State without a paddle, and uh, uh, I did not click there, so I dropped out after a couple of years, came back down to Southern California, uh, continued on the surf fishing path, and uh, got into shark fishing for uh, you know leopards and... Uh, shovel nose at first and then got into seven gills and things like that thanks to uh, uh, prehistoric soul forum shout out tom and uh, um, and then from there eventually i found a way to uh i really wanted to get a boat but i couldn't you know it's uh, a matter of storage and gas prices and all this shit so eventually uh I got an inflatable, another inflatable boat, but this one was more hardcore. Is a, a Saturn SK four seventy XL is a fifteen foot narrow inflatable, four feet wide. I stuck a six horsepower on it, and I was, uh, I got it to fish like inshore, and then uh, as soon as I realized how uh, hardy it was, I started fishing a little further than inshore. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, so I got that super fuel efficient, get like 15 to 30 miles a gallon. Um, go about 10 knots thereabouts. And uh, uh, so I got heavy into uh, uh, fishing from the boat, and that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's my history. So now I'm, uh, these days I'm fishing for everything from the boat. Um, for, and when I say everything, I mean everything. I'm going for, you know, uh, tuna, sharks, bass, halibut, uh, weird mini critters that are on wrecks and stuff like that. Uh, I'm a big, uh, species nerd, so I'm, uh, I'm always clamoring to try and catch, uh, something that's often overlooked, like, uh, um, you know, mosquito fish or weird little freshwater sculpin like the Paiute sculpin or the whatever, you know, I, I really love uh, geeking out on that stuff, identifying it and uh, figuring out the puzzle on how to, how to, how to catch one. So, uh, uh, so this is not going to be just a bass fishing podcast or just a, a tuna fishing podcast. This is, this is going to, uh, uh, as conditions ebb and flow, it's going to be about one thing, then the next thing, and then sort of melding all of them in together into, uh, you know, a highly adaptable fisherman that can, uh, uh, that can read the conditions and go out and make something good happen. So, uh, yeah, that's me. Um, I also want to mention, uh, my my uh my basic gear going forward so that uh you know it's like you can just you can just assume like this is what I'm going forward with when I'm doing one thing or another um lures will be different but rods and reels and the boat and uh and my line is pretty much all uh, always going to be pretty much the same so uh Going from uh, big to little, um, I use uh, Avid lever drags uh, from the 50 size, 30 size, JX, which is like a 40, 50 pound reel, uh, and then the SXJs, which is like a, a second generation, so it's really like a 20, 30 pound reel. And uh, I like the, I like lever drags for uh, for anything over like, you know, 20 pound. Um, and, uh, I like it because you can really, you can really play the fish by feel with, um, with the lever and, uh, you don't have to fuck with a star drag and, uh, you know, that's conventional wisdom is that it's ill-advised to, uh, reset your star drag during the fight. And so I kind of like, having the lever drag to go, oh, okay, just like, you know, put it here and you got five pounds and put it here, you got 10 pounds and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, as the situations arise throughout the fight, whether it's an acrobatic fish or like tuna that you have to, uh, you have to push them harder and harder through the fight or, you know, things like that. Uh, it's great to have. Um, they're also, avits are, are really solid uh casting reels so i just don't see the need in uh 
uh, star drag conventionals at that size. I don't, I don't have a problem with, you know, flipping the, uh, the lever back and forth during a cast. Some people consider it to be too hard. And, uh, uh, with a clutch reel or with a, with a clutch on a star drag, you can wear it out. Uh, if you're, uh, if you're engaging the reel, uh, against pressure, that's, a uh, uh, not good. And so I want to avoid things like that. I just want a fail-safe reel. And the Avit drag, the Avit anti-reverse is great uh, compared to other lever drags because it has a little wire that goes over the top of the uh, main uh, main drive shaft. And uh, when the handle starts to turn backwards, it engages the dog and sets the dog into the ratchet gear um, every single time. Uh, compared to uh, other reels that use either the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the clutch bearing, uh, the anti-reverse bearing, which, you know, if it gets dirty, it can fail, or it can get stuck in the reel if you don't maintain it, or th all sorts of weird shit. And then, uh, uh, and then they also use the uh, silent dog gear, which... Uh, have it, I suppose, technically they... No, do they? I don't know if it's technically on there or not. But the uh, a lot of reels use a, a dog gear that just has these these little foils on them uh, on the outsides of the, the tooth of the dog, and uh, that grabs onto the ratchet gear and, uh, and pulls it into place, uh, you know, which works 99% of the time, but they can bend out relatively easily um there's not a whole lot of forces inside of the reel that would cause them to bend out but if you're maintenancing it it's really easy to bend them out uh ask me how i know and uh yeah so i don't really trust those i also like the uh and the av uh, the, the big avits the ex series are a, a spring um uh dog uh anti-reverse so like that's when you hear the clicking of the reel uh that's that's the sound of a reel not busting your knuckles. So I like that. Uh, I know a lot of I know it's become like the thing to uh, uh, have a silent reel, um, but uh, I don't trust it. I don't want that shit blowing up on me when I've got you know ten, twenty, or twenty pounds or more of drag um, uh, on the reel. So. Yeah, so there's all that. Uh, that's my spiel. Um, if you don't like it, that is okay. Uh, a lot of a lot of people get, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people make it work. I know some some very 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 excellent fishermen who use um, uh, who use lever drags that that are silent dogs and catch, you know, huge tuna and. Uh, it works for them and good for them. Um, I'm, I'm glad their program works for them. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to tell you what doesn't work for me and why, and, uh, what does work for me and why. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh no soap boxes here. Not in, not in this apartment. No way. I get my my soap individually packaged, not in boxes. Fuck that.
But uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's my heavier gear. Um, my rods are all over the place except with um my uh, bait casting gear. Uh, I worked at uh, Daiwa as a reel tech for a minute. So if I worked on your uh your reels uh in the first half of uh, last year, either you're welcome or uh, sorry about it. Um, uh, I only did it for so long. Uh, and, uh, you know, they got inspected and stuff. Uh, moving on. (laughs) Uh, it's all good. They were, they were good. Um, I know what I'm doing, but, uh, I picked up some, uh, uh, some Daiwa Tatulas at a great price. And I picked up, uh, the Daiwa Stige, Stige rods, uh, at a good price, excellent price. And, uh, so that's what I use for like bait casting stuff. Uh, the tattoos, I have like 100 through 400. Um, and, uh, the steezes, I guess are like quarter to one or one eighth to one up to like one half to two or something like that. And then I've got a couple, uh, I've got, my rods are pretty much all over the place other than that. And, uh, so I won't really comment on them cause I don't, super love them but uh i would like more united composites rods i have a couple of uh uh from the elite composite uh rod line uh the mega and the wahoo eight footers deckhand wrap and those are excellent those are super cool the mega 800 is currently my favorite rod um for like anything in shore and stuff but uh yeah, and then uh, moving down to spinning gear, uh, I kind of avoid spinning gear because I'm just so susceptible to wind knots uh, no matter what I do. Um, I know the tricks. You don't need to tell me. I know I know how to avoid them, but they still happen to me. I am smited uh, by the fish gods when I am uh, using spinning gear. So I just have two 1,000 size bait feeders that I use for light work, like less than three eighths of an ounce, and for uh, light tackle surf fishing um, when I need to. And uh, uh, I get it, uh, you know, using casting like one ounce lures with like forty pound conventional gear is like it's a task. So uh, using it with like uh, using heavier spinning gear with that kind of stuff definitely makes sense and then like the 2500 through 4000 size uh i'm not not a fan but uh yeah so uh there's all that uh and i fly fish sometimes uh not much in the past few years but uh the okuma slv uh fly rods and reels are a pretty nice introductory setup they they have like real drag and like nice crispy actions for uh for what they are and you can get like a rod and a reel for about a 100 bucks i want to say and uh maybe a little more 125 130 but uh yeah they're nice they're better than like uh like a bass pro introductory setup where like the drag is a little bit sticky and the rod is a little bit a little bit too noodly, um, but uh, yeah. So you know, there's there's all my shit. 
Um, I'll go over, I just want to say, I already talked about the boat, but, um, uh, for all the shit that I do in the boat, I just want to get it out there, get out in front of it now that, uh, uh, when you're using an inflatable on the ocean, be careful and, uh, uh, you know, like take, take boating seriously, no matter what boat you're in and, uh, uh, follow, uh, you know, have all the Coast Guard certified shit that you need on your boat, have a VHF radio that's, you know, um, properly charged and, uh, or like, you know, connected to the battery that it needs to be and make sure your batteries are charged and, uh, uh, make sure you're in reception and, uh, uh, use, uh, use personal locator beacons, uh, and, uh, Wear a life jacket when you're on your own, uh, and you're in a boat on a solo mission. You know, just basic shit. Um, uh, yeah, because people people look at me like I'm fucking insane because they go they they see me like at the launch ramp and they go, "Oh, are you gonna fish the break wall?" And I'm like, "No, I'm going to the oil rigs." And they're just like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, L- "Like, you know, I take it seriously. Let's all chill." And, uh, uh, it's all good. Uh, so I just don't want anybody to like point fingers because I'm, I seem to be like one of the only inflatables, uh, out in like Orange County, um, out on open water. So, uh, I don't want anybody but to point fingers at me and say, you know, like, well, he did it. So I did it. And then I almost died. And it's like, well, like, you know, just take heed, read Chapman piloting. Seamanship and Small Boat Handling by Albert S. Maloney. Do it. Make sure you're you're serious about what you're doing. Um, gonna go Grubhub real soon. Maybe I'll jump back on this. But, uh, yeah, so that's all my gear. Um, and, uh, that's all good stuff be safe um what you can expect for the next year uh me talking about is a uh, uh, saltwater inshore bass fishing uh it's pretty akin to freshwater bass fishing i won't be doing much freshwater bass fishing uh there i don't really care much for my options in southern california uh I much prefer, if I'm going to freshwater fish, I would much prefer uh, smallmouth or spotties to a largemouth. Pound for pound. Better, faster, stronger. And uh, uh, the saltwater bass are a lot like a smallmouth or a spotty in the way that they're built. And um, it's all pretty uh, transferable as far as techniques and stuff like that. Uh, just, you know, sometimes deeper water, stronger currents, stuff like that. Um, Rockfish, groundfish out here. Uh, I really love the rockfish. It's so much variety and good eats and all that shit. Um, not it's not great out in Orange County, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going with it anyways. Uh, pretty pretty transferable to uh, uh, you know uh, the East Coast stuff, especially I know like Massachusetts uh, and or like New England has. Uh, their Pollock and their uh, sea bass and all those shits. Uh, halibut, 
uh, from the surf and uh, from the boat. Uh, takes a lot of patience to to go for those threshers. I really, I, I'm, I've gotten into them. I haven't, um, I haven't hooked up yet, but they're like, they're around, and I, I am dead set on figuring those things out. Uh, bluefin, dead set on figuring that shit out. Uh, other pelagics, uh, I won't name even what, but, uh, you know, whatever comes through, uh, this year tends to be different from year to year. Uh, I'll be chasing them and talking about them. Um, some other, sometimes maybe this year I'll, I'll talk some more about, um, like other sharks like Makos and blues, how to cook up a good blue shark. Um, and, uh, surf fishing, light tackle surf fishing, maybe, uh, uh, surf sharking, uh, stuff like that. It's all fair game for me. And of course the micro critters using number 10 hooks, number 24 hooks, all that shit. Um, dropping down into creeks or onto wrecks or whatever, you know? Uh, and, uh, maybe I'll get some people on the show like, uh, once a month or maybe at most. And, uh, uh, you know, see if they're available or willing to, or what have you. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what, that's who I am. That's, uh, what I'm representing here. Um, what the show is about. It's the brand. Um, and I, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of value to be gained, uh, if you're, uh, if you're an attentive fisherman to, like, transfer uh, transfer information from uh, one fishery to the next and that's really what I'm going to be doing a lot of so uh, um, if if it sounds you know like you could get uh, straight pitted on this information then you should uh, like and subscribe and uh, that's about it um, you have a good one uh, this should be a weekly show we'll see what happens have a good one thanks for tuning in